بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد once again to continue with the discussion of this kitab hazrat ala hazrat maula shah ki mudaffir sahab rahmatullah alay the way to a happy married life in the cause of this discussion hazrat has discussed the aspect about nikah itself and the nikah wherein the greatest barakat lies is the nikah wherein the least expenses were incurred the hadith sharif that discusses this hazrat went into that detail as well and unfortunately what goes on in weddings nowadays the intermingling and the music and photography all kinds of other evils that happen this destroys the barakat and apart from destroying the barakat this creates so many other issues so these are things to be totally refrained from and to keep the nikah according to the sunnah in a simple manner and thereafter is the blessing of the walima the walima this is something that has been some leeway that a person should to the extent of his ability have a walima invite people but again without all these attendant evils within the person's capacity but for the purpose of fulfilling the sunnah of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam not in order to impress anybody not to compete with somebody else and within the limits so that discussion is here but again because of the lack of time we will be just going forward Hazrat then says it is written in the discourses of Hazrat Maulana Ashraf Ali Thanwi rahmatullahi alayhi that an additional right concerning a wife is that she be given some spending money for her personal use every every month and not be asked to account for it two parts to this one is that she should be given some spending money for her personal use every month and the second thing is that she should not be asked to account for it in other words this is apart from what the needs of the house are that the household needs that the husband is responsible to take care of in any case he must provide that this whatever she wishes to do with it she'll do and she is helpless under you and does not go out to earn well this is how it's supposed to be and therefore this is the way that the manner in which deen has taught us to conduct our lives is the most natural way and as long as this natural way is maintained there'll be the natural outcome that is expected out of these aspects of life out of marriage the natural outcome is general peace happiness and everybody complimenting one another's duties the children getting the due attention and care the proper upbringing is taking place so now this the framework that deen has given us sets the it sets all these things in place so now the husband has been tasked in the hadith sharif which is mentioned when hazrat fatima radhiyallahu ta'ala anha got married to hazrat ali radhiyallahu ta'ala at that time nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam set the task Ali radhiyallahu ta'ala anhu would be responsible for everything outdoors earning a living for the family whatever other needs and necessities whatever has to be done outdoors so he will be responsible for that 
and everything indoors, Hazrat Fatima Radiallahu will attend to. And as a result, now one is, again this will come up somewhere, we discussed this previously, what are rights and what are duties. So when it comes to what is the duty and responsibility of the wife, the duty and responsibility of the wife, this doesn't include even, though we don't like to hear it, doesn't even include cooking. That's not a shari responsibility on her. Doesn't even include that. So one is now that she can claim also, this is my right, I'm not supposed to be, or not, not obliged to be cooking. But that is as far as, again, that boundaries, where the boundaries are. So now, for whatever the situation and circumstances may be, that someday she didn't manage to cook, or whatever the case is, the husband shouldn't be making an issue about it. But that is where the boundaries are. As mentioned, that the rules, regulations, and laws are to define the boundaries. But relationships don't survive by existing on the boundaries. Relationships survive on bonds. What degree of bonding there has been. Now in order to maintain that bond and to for that smooth functioning of this home, this Nabi Sallallahu apportioned these duties. That Hazrat Fatima will take care of whatever is indoors, as a result of which he took care of it. And to what extent? The Queen of Jannat, the Queen of Jannat, and she's taking care of all cooking, not the kind of cooking that's done nowadays, that everything is press button, on the open fire, so that smoke and all the various things that go along with it, taking care of the other household chores, which is not the kind of chores that are by the press of a button nowadays, difficult tasks. Bread wasn't the way that it is done nowadays, that everything is all ready. Forget making that roti, you have to start off with grinding the flour. You have to start off that wheat or whatever, well there was hardly wheat, barley, had to be first crushed. And after that would be crushed, then that flour now would be then have to, the second process would start. So all this they did, and that's why the hadith, this Bihar Fatimi, the occasion of that came out of what? It was Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, while he was observing all this, but he was unable to now take on much of this on himself because of his occupation with Rasulullah sallallahu So he became, he was naturally concerned when he came to know about some slaves have come into the position of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He sends his wife, the daughter of Rasulullah the queen of Jannah, is going to request that you be granted a maid, a slave. And she comes, and Nabi Salaam was busy with somebody, her haya, that she couldn't bring this up in front of anybody else. Oh, come and talk to Nabi Salaam in the presence of other strange men. So she comes away. Nabi Salaam observes this. In any case, to get to the point, later that night, Nabi Salaam comes to their home and inquires that what was it you came for? And Ali radiallahu explains, this is what happened, I sent her, but then she couldn't ask. Now can we imagine, this is another lesson in itself, that which father doesn't have this feeling for his daughter, that she must have ease, she must not be uh, burdened with anything extra, 
make things comfortable for her. And who could have had a greater attachment to his daughter than Rasulullah had for his daughters. But when she came with this request, what does Rasulullah say to her? Should I tell you something better than a khadim? She says, what? By all means. Nabi says, when you'll come to your bed to sleep, recite subhanallah 33 times, alhamdulillah 33 times, and Allahu Akbar 34 times, this is better for you than a servant. And she wholeheartedly accepts this. It means she must still carry on with all those tasks that she was doing, those chores she was doing, but she wholeheartedly accepts this happily. That this is better for me than that servant. Now this is a amal that we should keep up with, and when going to bed, recite these tasbihat, and the Muhaddisin explain that this was given on this occasion in place of a slave, a servant to help. A person who punctually does this, inshallah, he'll find tremendous strength in the next day's work. He'll find sufficient strength to be able to take care of all his tasks for the day. So, but the point again, that all, that this, this, Tazbiya Fatima came as a result of this situation. As Fatima Ardman was doing all this. She was undertaking all these tasks. But as far as the the rights and responsibilities go, that is not the Shari obligation. So, the point we were getting to is that this is as far as the rights and obligations are concerned. But, we are talking about the natural way that Deen has set out this pattern for us. But Nabi Islam, this was how he apportioned the responsibilities. Now, as a result, what goes on? That the husband now is responsible for something. The wife is at the same time taking care of all the needs of the home in terms of what the chores of the home are. The husband is going to come home. When he's going to come home, he's going to come tired. He's going to come hungry. But then his wife was at home to take care of all those needs. So now he's come home so that meal is already ready. And she is not also out working somewhere. That She says, well, today is your turn to cook. Because I'm also working. So now both come tired. And both now, you don't know whose turn it is. And then now it's his turn today to cook the food. Maybe it's his night duty also to take care of the children. So now the next day is also going to be affected by of both parties. It's not the natural system in which things are going to work. And who become the biggest victims in the process? The children. That now they don't get the due attention. They don't get the proper upbringing. They get some commercial care. Because then if they are still too small, they have to put, be put into some crash. So they get commercial care. And commercial care, it instills commercial values. Because there isn't that love, that bond in somebody else's child. I am doing it for the money. That's commercial care. No crash is going to give that child the love of a parent. They're going to give commercial love. So that child grows up with commercial values. He doesn't then know the value of love from parents. Because he gets it here and there, snatches here and there. Because they are too tired, you do your own thing now. We're busy now, we're tired, you go do your own thing. So as a result, this is a, it's not the natural system. But unfortunately, these things become the standard. These things become the norm. And it becomes very difficult for people to even think about it in a different way. How, how does it happen? Because this, this actually the Western society and the Western lifestyle and 
there isn't this apportionment of duties, as mentioned that in the Western lifestyle, there isn't even a head of the home. It's a headless home. The headless home, the chaos that ensues, you know about it. One, this was, what's the position now, talking about maybe 10-15 years ago while looking up something for an article. That time, the statistics that came up, that one in three homes in America was a broken home. One in three was that time, 15 years ago, 20 years ago almost. So, where did this come from? It came from this unnatural system. This unnatural system led to all this. And to the extent we'll keep to the natural system, we'll benefit from that natural way. There'll be that stability, that peace, everybody's getting their due attention, those children are getting the correct upbringing. So, these are things which it becomes sometimes so distanced from the from the original point, that it becomes difficult to imagine it. How can it be there? Whereas that is where it's all kept for us. The good of it is all in that point. So in any case, this is the message here, that now that wife is supposed to be, well, she's going to be at home, she's taking care of all the needs of the home. So it's not that, well, she's just part of the furniture. There is that bond, she needs to be given this stipend, this allowance, and that is something not to be taken to account for, that way it was spent. She too perhaps feels like giving gifts to her family. Where then must she get it from? So give her some money according to your means. In other words, purely for her to use at her will, obviously not in something haram, not in something Allah Ta'ala is displeased with. But then she decides to give something to her family, to her parents, to whoever. That's her prerogative. That should be something she is not taken to account for at all. Listen now to the fourth hadith which will bring to completion this majlis. There are those people who suffer from the misconception that by being harsh and cruel to their wives, they will maintain control and earn respect. They consider it the ultimate aspect of manliness to keep the wife lowering in fear before them. I have heard that in some places it is a custom to beat the wife on the first night to establish one's control. What ignorance and injustice this is. This might sound, these things unfortunately mm, happen, but it might sound a little far-fetched that this happens. Maybe it's rare, but it's not that rare in a different form. And Ajib things, Allah knows best, these are also things to learn. A person is going to be embarking on this journey of life, it's a very, very important step of life, it's perfecting half his Iman, but he needs to learn how to live his life correctly as a married man, as a father, as a husband, as a father. Now, for that, we need to go for advice to the ulama ikram, to those who are experienced, those who give us the right advice. Unfortunately, people take advice from here, there and everywhere. Sometimes they take advice from Allah knows best from where. One person, he is expressing his situation after having done the damage now, and the regret now is coming much later, but now he's expressing what happened. So he says that, well, now the same message, or same point that Hazrat is explaining here, some feel that from day one we have to establish our control to show I'm the boss around here. So somebody, some friend gave him this advice and this is what he did. So now, he's, the first night of his marriage, he's sitting with his wife, and while now talking, so now he says to her suddenly out of the blue, 
You can, well, what's that there? Now he's pointing to the door of the room. Now she doesn't know what he's talking about. So he says, why well, there's a door. She saw the door. Look at it nicely. He looked at it nicely. So now she doesn't know what he's getting at. And then now, can we imagine somebody has left her home, left her parents, left her family. She's now coming with so much of hope and anxiety at the same time. Don't know what's going to be the outcome here. Now she's stepping into a new life. And now he says to her, you see, you saw the door nicely. Now first made it sound like you don't know what you're getting at. Anytime you're not happy about anything, you must walk out of that door. Don't come back. Now this was his way of establishing his control. What cruelty can be? Can this, this kind of cruelty this is? That what, what goes through a person's heart and mind at that time? Is this insaniyat? Is this even humanity? Let alone the akhlaq that Rasulullah has taught us, which is of a very high level. Even basic humanity, this doesn't even conform to the basic standards of humanity. This kind of cruelty? Now, this is not a, some kind of you know, person buying some car and he's going to eat some inanimate object. We are dealing with people, we are dealing with lives. And people are giving their lives up to come and spend their lives with us. Their families, everything. This is far away from the akhlaq of a mu'min. It's even below humanity. So, it might not be that somebody might be beating his wife up on the first night. But unfortunately, these kind of cruel things also happen. So this is something to be conscious about, that we have to adopt the good akhlaq and the best akhlaq. We beseech Allah Ta'ala to protect us from all forms of ignorance. What on the contrary is is the beautiful lifestyle and the perfect example of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Our beloved mothers of the ummah were sitting and conversing with Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in such a manner that their voices were a little loud. On one occasion, this happened that Hazrat Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam was sitting and Azwaj Mutahharat were there, and they were talking in a way that their voices were getting a little bit raised. Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhu happened to come at that time in the company of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So they all went into the parda and they all became silent. They didn't say anything. So Hazrat Umar asked them that what has happened to you, O wives of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that the, on the appearance of Umar you fell silent and for fear of him, out of fear of him, and that you talk to, talk freely and with some sharpness to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now Hazrat Umar overheard this as he was coming in that they were talking in a somewhat raised voice to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now we already discussed those ayat in after Asr, Surah Al-Hujarat, about what was the instruction. Don't raise your voice in the presence of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now this happened to a point from the side of the wives. And Hazrat Umar overheard this. Now when he came in, they all just kept quiet. Nobody saying anything. So now he is reprimanding them from behind the parda or whatever that this is very strange. I came in, you are kept quiet. And you are sitting with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. At that time you are saying things and you are raising your voice to a point. So they reply. Somebody among them replied, yes, you are but hard. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is so merciful to us. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is sitting and hearing all this. He just smiles about it. 
He didn't tell them, give them any fatwa. Again, the same point. This was in the context of the relationship between spouses. The Sahaba were warned and cautioned, don't ever raise your voice in front of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But here Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam didn't give any fatwa. This was within tolerable limits. And as Umar Iqnanu comes in, somebody said to him, replied to him, yes, anta afazwa aghlaz. You are but harsh. And you are hard. So that's why now we'll keep quiet. We're afraid of you. But Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is so kind. He's so compassionate. He overlooks all this. Now this was within that context of that relationship. Nabi Islam gave this space. He didn't make any issue about it. He allowed this. It's not that this was an ongoing thing or this was something that... Uh, this was, these were occasions. Allah Ta'ala made this to happen. So that this could become a lesson for the Ummad. That how are these things to be handled? What is the way to conduct ourselves in all these various situations? Allama Alusi Rahmatullah has quoted a hadith in his commentary, Ruhul Ma'ani, in which Sayyidul Anbiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, regarding woman, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Yaghlibna kareeman, wa yaghlibuhunna la'eemun. That one who is kind and gentle, his wife will overpower him. One who is kind and gentle, his wife will overpower him. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is teaching us to recognize the nature of woman. The husband who is kind and gentle, who is an Allahwala, who is noble-natured, who is tolerant at heart, will have his wife controlling him. For she realizes that she will neither be taken to task or scolded. He will not beat her, he will not be harsh, he will not raise his voice, but will instead increase his kindness towards her. This gives her the courage to be free and informal with her husband. Then, while those who are ill-natured, وَيَغْلِبُهُنَّ لَئِيمٌ one who is ill-natured will overpower his wife. So he will gain the upper hand by means of violence, vulgarity, evil temperament, terrible character. So now these are the two categories. Nabi Islam says, Yaghlibna Kariman, on the one hand, they will overpower the husband who is gentle, soft-natured, kind. And وَيَغْلِبُهُنَّ لَئِيمٌ And the hard-hearted, the ill-tempered, the husband with a poor character, he will overpower them. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam then finally takes the, makes the call of where I want to be. أُحِبُّ أَنْ أَكُونَ كَرِيمًا مَغْلُوبًا وَلَا أُحِبُّ أَنْ أَكُونَ لَئِيمًا غَالِبًا Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, I prefer that, that I be kind and gentle even though I am overcome by them even though they are dominant, but I do not consider it better to be harsh and intolerant and thereby be controlling over them. In other words, I am happier to be gentle and overpowered in that sense, in that context, in that context of that household situation, in household issues, meaning that let them have their way, rather than I be hard and be dominant. I don't want that. I rather be in that context and in that sense overpowered. No change must occur to the loftiness in my character. In other words, this is what is being meant. My character must remain soft and tolerant. Consider what Rasulullah is saying. I do not consider it more beloved to be harsh and intolerant and hard-hearted and vile and thereby gain control over them. These words are a great lesson for the Ummah at large. By, by uttering these words, Rasulullah is expressing the hope 
of infusing gentleness, of imbuing kindness and good character in the men of this ummah with respect to their women folk. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa was without a doubt established on the loftiest character as attested to by Allah Ta'ala in the Quran Kareem innaka la'ala khuluqin azim that verily you are upon a very lofty character. This is actually the conclusion of the talk. Then there's a little addition here which was from a different talk and this was actually a talk that was delivered in South Africa in Azadwal in 1990. This was perhaps I think the second time that Hazrat had visited South Africa and on that occasion this was the talk that was delivered in Azadwal. So there are some excerpts from that talk in here. We'll just try and read through it. Another point is nowadays men think that it is very correct for them to keep their, keep their fear and awe upon their wives and keep them under pressure. Outside with their friends they are in a jovial and happy mood but when they step into the house they become serious and do not even laugh or smile or have a, make a joke or two with their wives who are waiting for them for the whole day thinking that when my husband comes home in the evening I will tell him this and that. She wants to tell him something, but he is sitting with a tasbih, or he enters the house with eyes closed and a tasbih dangling in his heart, as if he is Baba Fariduddin Attar, or Hazrat Bayazid Bustami, or Khaja Mu'inuddin Chishti. At that moment, this is the person entering the house. So indeed, become Bayazid Bustami, but Bayazid Bustami, Rahmatullah and Fariduddin Attar, Rahmatullah surely they also entered in the Sunnah manner. That is why they became what they became. So they would have also entered in the manner that was already discussed. The cheerful manner with salam. They didn't come with their eyes closed. And that's not the way to enter the home. Entering the home with the eyes closed is very dangerous also. You might trip and fall. So keep your eyes wide open and come in smilingly. Is this the right of your wife? Those who do not have deen in them enter the house like a pharaoh with big red eyes and those who have deen in them come in like some pious saint in meditation with eyes closed as if they are living in the heavens. In other words, either this extreme or that extreme. Either the person walks in like a tyrant, as soon as he comes everybody must make way. Everybody must be at high alert. That now, high alert, you don't know when the explosion will take place. And if it's not that, then the person is either gone to the seven heavens, it's like he doesn't live on the earth. So, neither of this is the right way to conduct ourselves with our families. Enter your home smiling, go to your wife in a smiling manner and speak to her. You will get more sawab of fulfilling her rights than reading that tasbih at that moment. Laughing, joking and talking with the wife is also part of ibadat. Can you imagine the beauty of our deen? That laughing, joking and talking with the wife is also part of ibadat. Because this must be done with the niyat of sunnah. This was how Rasulullah conducted himself with his wives. So with that niyat that becomes ibadat, then just with the intention that this is idkhalus sururi fi qalbil mu'min. You're saying something light-hearted. You're saying something jovial. Why? To make somebody happy. Within the limits obviously. Now what is this? When this is the niyat, to make someone happy, cheer them up. This cheering somebody up, whether it is somebody saying something to his wife to cheer up, something he's saying to his parents to cheer them up, just make them feel happy, comfortable. He's saying it to somebody else. He just saw somebody feeling down, feeling low, 
and he comes and just says something, only just for the, he is not in a position to do anything else for the person, but he can just try to liven his spirit some way. So he's saying these few words, saying something, just lightening it up a little bit. Why? Make him feel a little happy. This is not a small thing. In the Hadith Sharif it is mentioned that after the fara'is, among the greatest ibadats, after the fara'is, among the greatest ibadats, is idkhalu sururi fi qalbil mu'min. Bringing happiness to the heart of a mu'min. Bringing happiness to the heart of a mu'min. Now, these little gestures, small things, but with the right intention, this will make somebody happy. That much, that intention, that is already made it an ibadat. That has made it a very, very great ibadat. Obviously, what is going to be done to make somebody happy must be well within the limits of sharia. It will not be something we're crossing the line of sharia, displeasing Allah Ta'ala to please makhluk. That is not going to bring us any sawab and reward. But within that limits, these gestures, these small little things, that little word of something to bring some cheer and happiness, that one some light-hearted word, all this becomes part of ibadat with this niyat. To stay awake the whole night for ibadat and not to talk to the wife is contrary to the sunnah practice. A sahabi went to visit another sahabi, the host got up to start his nightly worship. This is the incident between Hazrat Salman and Hazrat Abu They were very close friends. And one went to visit the other, that is giving the gist of it here. The, at night now, they both went to bed to rest. So the host got up to start his nightly worship. Abu Darda, he was his normal practice. So now, baby slept a little while, and he started waking up to get into ibadat. The Salman stopped him, no, no, you go to sleep now. So he made him sleep. The guest stopped him and told him first, he made him sleep, etc. After a while, then he said, now you wake up, both woke up now, then both got into ibadat, both performed the salah. Later on, Hazrat Salman, anhu, well, Abu Darda comes to Nabi Wasallam and he explains, this is what happened. I want to wake up so early, quickly, and start making some ibadat. But he stopped me, and he told me, no, first you take a rest. And now you wake up after some time. Nabi Wasallam said, Sadaqa Salman. What Salman said was right. And then he said, Inna li nafsika alayka haqqa. Your body also has a right over you. Wali zawjika alayka haqqa. Your wife also has a right over you. Wa li rabbika alayka haqqa. Aw kama qal, sequence, etc. And Allah Ta'ala has a right over you. Give everybody their rights. In other words, there's a right of ibadat. So you stand up and make ibadat as well. But there's a right that your wife has as well. You've heard that time also. Unfortunately, forget ibadat. There's no ibadat also. And there's nothing else. There's no time for the wife. There's only time for the phone. That the person is connected throughout the world, but he's disconnected from his own wife, the wife is disconnected from the husband, everybody is connected elsewhere. And as a result, the chaos and the whatever ensues is obvious. So, this home will run in a very pleasant manner when it is on the lines of Sunnah. When it is in the pattern of Rasulullah When both parties are making an effort, we are all weak, everybody has a lot of mistakes, we are all very deficient. Again, that's not our situation that the least is, or the, rather the most is, that we are not perfect. No, no, we are very deficient. Sometimes we talk about it. I have one weakness. No, no, we don't have one weakness. Out of my numerous weaknesses, one of the weaknesses is. This way of expression also sometimes deceives us. Something comes and says, I got one weakness. 
He says, this is the only weakness I have. No, the way to say it is, among my numerous weaknesses, one of the weaknesses is. So likewise, not that I'm not perfect. No, we are full of deficiencies. We are also very weak. And others are also full of deficiencies. But the effort must be there to keep improving ourselves. As mentioned, that talim therefore is very essential. Apart from the fazail amal the seventh part of Bihishti Zewar, the seventh part deals with all the akhlaqiyat. This should be also come, become part of the talim. The days can be alternated, some days is one thing, some days is another thing. But this too should become part of that talim. After all, we are sitting and complaining about this, that and the other. And we should be complaining about ourselves as well. But this is the way that this will improve, that now this talim is taking place. It's making us aware of what is the guidance of deen and shariat regarding the various issues, how to rid ourselves of this evil character. In this way, this will improve. And together with that, learning the sunnats of Rasulullah bringing the sunnats alive, every sunnat is tremendous nur. And every sunnat that will come alive in the home will bring nur in that home, bring light in that home. When that home is filled with nur, filled with light, then light brings that, that nur brings that peace. But now everyone is connected to their social media, everyone is connected to the internet, everybody is disconnected from each other. Then there's no upholding the sunnah <coughs> in any aspect of life, in the relationship between spouses. Then the lack of nur will be zulmat. When there's no, when this is not there, this is missing, then there'll be zulmat, there'll be darkness. And darkness, darkness makes things very uncomfortable. A person in darkness doesn't know where he's walking. Even if he's not walking anyway, he's sitting in one spot, but he's uneasy because he can't see what's coming. He doesn't know what may be crawling around him. In darkness, a person naturally just feels uneasy when he can't see what's happening around him. So now when there's zulmat, the person is going to be uneasy. Even if nothing is happening, he'll be uneasy because the zulmat is all around. So now the issue is that what will take darkness away? You can't go and fight with darkness. Go and say things to darkness, the darkness is not going to go anywhere. Bring the light on. You bring the light on, the darkness will have no option but to go. Ja al-haq was a haq al-baqil. When the light of haq comes, the darkness of baqil must go. It cannot remain. So the nur of sunnat, the nur of the implementation of the way of life of Rasulullah his Mubarak teachings, all these beautiful things, this comes in the home, this light comes in the home, the darkness and zulmat must go. Otherwise the darkness makes a person, the zulmat will naturally make that person feel miserable. So this is the way that we need to conduct ourselves. So when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Hazrat Salman came and he expressed this, and Hazrat Abu Darda came and he expressed this, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi what he said is right. Everyone has a right, fulfill the rights of all. You have a right to take a rest because his body needs to be given his due rest. Unfortunately, sometimes we misuse this. We only remember, inna li nafsika alayka haqqa. Now the person is just engrossed in his entertainment and sleeping all the time. Li nafsika alayka haqqa. I forgot everything else. Or somebody, anything and everything, all the time, is only for his wife. There's no time for deen. There's no time for anything. He sees why? Inna li zawjika alayka haqqa. So now he starts misusing that. No, no, there's a complete balance. There's time for deen, there's time for ibadat, there's time for tilawat, there's time for zikr and dua, 
It's time for all a person's ma'amulat in the home. And these things should be brought alive in the home. In one hadith, Nabi Islam says, don't make your home like a qabristan, like a graveyard. That there should be some salah in that home. That home without salah is like a graveyard. So one is the woman folk must be regularly performing the salah at home on time. And the men also should be making some nawafil in the house. One is obviously salah with jama'ah is wajib. So the faraiz must be in the masjid with jama'ah. But some nawafil in the home. And this is all the things that are going to keep that nur increasing in the home. The tilawat of the Quran Sharif, the zikr, the tasbihat, the talim. So when this nur will be alive, when this nur will be generated all the time, then inshallah there will be this peace, this happiness, this pleasantness. Hazrat Hakim al-Ummat Ma'ashaf Ali Sangir says, It is wrong to reject the intercession of Allah Ta'ala when He is commanding us to treat the wife well. She is weak and far from her parents. She is at our mercy. After giving birth to a few children, she becomes weak and the husband takes out all his anger on her because she did not do some work of his. Alas, why have you taught her to be like your maids? How about you doing it yourself for a change? You are not given a wife to work for you. If she does any work for you, it is through her kindness. As mentioned, this is a two-way street. They too have to adopt this kindness and the husband has to adopt his, his part of kindness. And if we adopt that natural system, then everybody would have sufficient space to have their, their rest as well, to take care of their, their side of what they have taken upon their responsibility. This is the rapta. This is the way that it works. So, when that natural system is maintained, then everything falls into its place. So Allah Ta'ala is interceding for his bondswoman that treat your wife well, whether she be young or old, even if her teeth have fallen out and her face has become wrinkled, treat her kindly. Not that when she was young and beautiful you did everything for her and now that she has grown old you treat her terribly, this is not correct. Further, The one topic here which that explains, we'll round off on this. Coming back to the good treatment of a wife, the subtitle here is how the righteous treat their wives. Coming back to the good treatment of a wife, Rasulullah was not hard or harsh to his wives. He always treated them with kindness. His life pattern is the most beautiful and most worthy of being followed. His character was also the best and the highest degree as he stated in the Quran Sharif. Hazrat Mirza Mazhar Jane Jana Rahmatullah was of a very sensitive nature. But his wife was somebody who had a very bitter character. Hazrat Mirza Mazhar Sahab Rahmatullah he had such a sensitive nature and this was now something that, that was his nature. It was not something that he, he could avoid. It was part of his nature that once Somebody gave him a gift. Somebody brought a gift as a, like a duvet, a covering to sleep with. So now some simple person, one simple, like a duvet, a covering to use as a covering when sleeping. So he accepted the gift. So that night he used it. And when he woke up in the morning, he's saying to his khadim, I have a terrible headache, something is wrong. 
Now, he could work out that this headache is not due to some illness, something within the sea, something because of his nature, and something is not right. Something is causing this headache. I think, but what's out of place? Because he knew he's of a very sensitive nature. After looking this way, that way, eventually this Khadim looked at that duvet which was brought as a gift. So now this was hand done, all these things were hand sewn. So now it will have lines of threads to keep that now, the, whatever is the inner filling, whatever that over the cover. So now that threads would be now sewn all over the full length of that duvet, over the f- numerous lines of those threads. So now he's looking at it, so some place the threads were not 100% straight. Those threads were a little bit zigzag. Now he was asleep, he didn't even see it, but that affected him. That was the extent of the sensitivity of his nature. That small things would affect him. One Nawab, like a mini king, he came to visit him. He understood this is a, mashallah, a very great person, Allah wala. So for the barakat he came, the king of the time, so to say, of his area, so when he came, so he sat there for a while, and a very simple, humble, this, he came, so the Khadim said, the, the Pasha has come now. He says, well, this, this clay pot, now there wasn't anything to seat him on, now he's not accustomed to sitting on the floor. So now there wasn't any chair. He says, well, just turn this clay pot upside down, let him sit down. It's like a, like a drum or something. So I say, well, turn it upside down, let him sit down. Now he's like a king of the time, of his whole territory. He's never sat on the floor, so now you're accommodating him. But in that simple manner, no, you didn't become flustered now that, well, this person is such a... In any case, he sat there, he understood now this is a very great person. So now he felt thirsty, he asked for some water. So the Khadi brought the water for him, so he drank the water. Now after he drank the water, now he put that cup, or that glass, but now he, he didn't set it straight. Now, for example, there's a saucer, and you keep it properly in. He kept it little bit probably sticking half to one side. In any case... After a while, then now he he decided now he wanted to leave. So in the process now he's saying now he's going etc. And then he thinks he wants to offer something. So he says my desire is that I should uh, can I send a khadim in your service that he will you know do all your work whatever it is. So that that became too much now for him. He said you are the king, you are the nawab, you can't place a glass straight. As a result, my head is already paining. Your khadim, how he'll come and do things, Allah knows best how I'll survive. Rather leave it. <laughs> because now that he's, he might send him this now, <laughs> that might become such a problem. He says, you're supposed to be now doing things in a certain way. If you can't keep that glass straight, now already I'm tolerating this. It's already giving me a headache. Now that was the sensitivity of his nature. Now with that sensitive nature, this was something, now this was the reason for this, for this prelude and this discussion to this, what is mentioned here, that a person of such a sensitive nature, but what happened was that he ended up getting married, his wife was a person of a very bitter character. When a disciple asked him why he had married such a woman, he said, the honor and respect you see bestowed upon me, is because of the blessing of sabr which I make upon this wife's bitter and ill temper. This is what Allah Ta'ala has blessed me with. One, this is another level of thinking, but those who Allah Ta'ala has illuminated their hearts, then their minds think in that manner. The thoughts are generated from the heart. Person thinks, 
the thoughts generate from the heart. Then the person processes it and analyzes it in his mind and then gives expression to it, whatever. But the seat of it all is the heart. And when the heart is very illuminated, the heart is filled with intense noor. So now what is going to come from that heart is going to be similar from dirt and muck what comes out. You'll find worms crawling out of it. If there's a rotten fruit, you don't find a fragrance of it. From a rotten fruit, you'll get an odor. From a rotten fruit, you'll find a worms creeping out. But the best quality fruit, export quality, from a distance you can already smell the fragrance. Because that is so wholesome, it can't even contain its fragrance within itself. It's just bursting forth. Now that heart which is filled with this intense noor, this marifat of Allah Ta'ala, this muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala, this ittiba of the sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, so the thoughts that get generated from that heart also are going to be similar. One Buzurg had a very, very temperamental wife and she used to put him through a real, well, he was the Buzurg but she used to make his Islam obviously. One person, one day he became really overwhelmed with the situation now all the time on the receiving end of things. Now, but he was making sabr, but one day that sabr now came to a point where he didn't vent it, but he decided to express it in dua. Now he started making the dua a little bit without realizing it, a little bit loudly. He didn't realize that he's being overheard. So now he started making the dua, Ya Allah, I've been making sabr, but Ya Allah, now Allah either take me away, or either he still had come to the either, and she was standing, she was busy making roti, so she came away with the rolling pin. And she asked, either what? <laughs> so he started the dua again. Ya Allah, either take me away, or either take only me away. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this, Buzruk now, he had this kind of situation. So one day somebody who was away of the situation, all the time, this is the way you can you on the receiving end all the time, how long are you going to take this? What was his response? He said, look, I also know what you're saying. I have two options. One option is, well, the option is now to, well, two options, one is to make sabr on this, the other is to divorce her now, that I had enough of all this now. If I divorce her, what will be the outcome? One of two things will happen. Either she would not be able to get married again, nobody will marry her again, so she will be in a very difficult situation that now she is out on her own and this will become sometimes very, very problematic and that will be one situation. The other is somebody else might marry her. Somebody else might marry her, he'll start experiencing what I'm experiencing. Rather I take care of my brother's difficulty and I save her from the difficulty, I'll make the suffer. Now this is also a thinking not that everybody is of that caliber, but the point is that these are the, this is the inspiration that we should be taking in our petty issues. We can't imagine that level, but at least in the day-to-day -day petty things, we can take some guidance from here, we can take some inspiration from this, and we don't become overwhelmed with those small, small issues, those little things, petty things. This is a way of keeping our minds focused correctly. So in any case, Hazrat is referring to this incident that Hazrat Mirza Jani Jana Rahmatullah when somebody asked him, 
that how are you, why are you tolerating this? He replied and said, the honor and respect you see bestowed upon me is because of the blessing of sabr, which I make upon this wife's bitter and ill temper. Hazrat Shah Abu Hassan Kharqani was seen coming from the jungle, seated on a lion with a snake in his hand for a whip. Now this was a karamad. Actually the whole the incident here is very summarized because of probably, Hazrat was just wrapping it up in time. The incident, the details of it, was that one Kabuli Patan, Patans are known for the very short fuse, that they something, in any case, this, this Patan had heard about this Buzrug and from far away now he traveled and came to come and meet him, to come and be in his company. So now when he came, so he came to the house, so he knocked on the door. So now the wife answered from inside, who is it, what you want? So he says, now I've come to visit Hazrat. Now when he came and said, I come to visit Hazrat and meet him. So she from behind the door, she started saying, what Hazrat you're talking about? And this is what he is about and this is an all the whole whatever. He couldn't imagine she said everything. Now he got a shock. I've heard so much about this person and I've come with so much of hope. And I came with all this and traveled so far and undertook this long journey and I've come to benefit from this. This is the kind of person he is. So he became very dejected now. All my time and effort and sacrifice all gone to waste. I've come here, away I've come. So in any case now he's decided to start leaving now. I can't, I'm going to waste my time here. So he started moving. As he's going out, suddenly now he has to pass through the forest and go. In the distance, Allah Ta'ala made this happen in this way, that at that time, he sees somebody coming, and this person is riding a lion. And then he can see now the lion, like a horse now, you whoop to spur it on, this person got a snake in his hand. These are karama, karamatul awliya'i haqqun. This is something which, even the time of the Sahaba, they were karamat, that the Sahaba, when once there was a, like a volcano, and this fire was, Spewing out, Umar says to Hazrat Tamim Dari Ridlan, go and get this fire back where it came from. He says, what are you asking me to do it? He says, no, you go and do it. He went, there's a lengthy incident, he started reciting some kalimat of Allah Ta'ala and indicating to that fire and it moved, it receded and went back into where it started, was spewing out from. These are karamat. It happened in the time of the Sahaba. In the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala discusses karamat. In the incident, Allah Ta'ala speaks about the aspect of Sulaiman and the throne of Bilqis that who will bring the throne from now where is Bilqis' throne in her kingdom Sulaiman is saying I want it here who is going to bring it and come Allah Ta'ala says one was one person said the jinn said that before you finish off this gathering we will bring it but there was one of the people of Sulaiman who Allah had blessed with the knowledge of the kitab. He said, I will bring that whole throne from there to here before you can blink your eye. And in the next instant it was there. لِيَبْلُوَنِي أَأَشْكُرُ أَمْ أَكْفُرُ Sulaiman Salaam sees this. He says, this is the fuzzle of my Rabb. Allah Ta'ala enabled 
a ummati of mine to have this karamat out of the barkat of the Nabi of the time. And this tune, he says, this is also part of the test. That is a test. Will I make shukar or what will I do? So in any case, karamat are a reality. Now this person was riding that lion and he got the snake as a hook. Now when he saw this, he got a shock. Then he crossed his mind, probably this is the person I've come to see. Likewise, that Guzru saw his face and he worked out, this person knocked on my door and came. This person knocked on my door and he already got my profile. The profile from behind the door, he heard it. So he realized that this person has heard a lot of things now, he's in this confusion. What he heard and what he's seeing is not correlating. So he said to him that, uh, this is now what I was talking about here, that he saw this person coming seated on a lion with a snake in his hand for a whoop. When he was asked about this karamat, he replied, I have a very bad tempered wife, but I forgive her thinking to be Allah Ta'ala's bondswoman and have patience on her ill temper. In turn, Allah Ta'ala has blessed me with this karamat. This has come in sort of uh, as a reward for that sabr and patience on this situation. By having patience, one attains great stages by Allah Ta'ala. Many men have become Allah Wala just by treating their wives with good character. Just think for a moment, if your daughter is bad-tempered and her husband tolerates her, will you not praise your son-in-law? Will you not respect and honor this, his nobility and worthiness? You will even perhaps write down some, uh, make a wasiyat and write down some wealth of yours for him in your will. Therefore, you should also tolerate the, the conduct of your wife and see what rewards you will earn for the small action, inshallah. On this, Hazrat made some dua. Allah Ta'ala give us also the tawfiq that we implement these lessons in our life. And this is what deen is all about. All the departments of deen must come alive. It's not confined to one thing and not to the other. Whether it's our ibadat, obviously our imaniyat, all that has to be improved regularly on the time. The strength of our iman has to be worked on every day. And increasing all the sifat of iman and together with that our ibadat and our mu'amalat, our dealings with people, our mu'asharat, our life, social lives, how we conduct ourselves at home, how we conduct ourselves with our parents, with others, and our akhlaq and character, all these things have to improve all the time. Allah Ta'ala give me the topic first and foremost and bless all of us as well. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alam. Subhanallah, bihamdihi, subhanakallahumma bihamdihi, kashadallah, ilaha ilaha.